Welcome to Energy Matters to You. Today is August 21st, 2019. Energy Matters to You is a, is a communication platform that features technologies and thought leaders working to advance energy efficiency. The Energy Matters to You podcast seeks to connect buyers with sellers so that practical, cost-effective energy efficiency and sustainable energy solutions continue to gain market traction. We're your hosts. My name is Leo Ryan, and on the line is my co-host, Ron Galuli. Ron, happy summer. Good morning, Leo. Yes, it's winding down, sadly. But uh, looking forward to the fall. There's always a lot of activity in our our marketplace, so looking forward to that. So speaking of activity, today we, we have a focus today on some international activity. We've got uh, Stephen Thomas, who's the representative director of Asia Focus. He's our guest. But before we bring Stephen on, right, we were talking about um, some of the the associations that we've interacted with over the last couple of years that that work to introduce foreign um, service providers into the New England and Massachusetts marketplace. And I was talking about uh, like the Fraunhofer Institute. Have you interacted with those guys? I did have some experience with Fraunhofer. They were doing a study. It was actually First Fuel at the time. Actually, it was the company's name was IB Logics at the time before they came, became First Fuel. And they actually did a... Um, a dry run with their tool utilizing, I think it was actually National Grid's office data. And uh, the results of that study actually proved out very well for first fuel. Yeah. So Fraunhofer's around the world, obviously the, the function of one of the key functions of Fraunhofer is to advance the interests of German based in this technology companies. And so in on the South end, I don't know, it's going back, six, seven, eight, maybe 10 years, they put together a building and they, they worked with companies like First Fuel who provided some uh, technologies for that. And that building's still functioning. They've got tenants in there. The Eric Graham and Crowd Comfort are in that building. The other group that I interact with is the uh, French Tech Hub. And uh, they still are active in the Boston area. They've got a San Francisco office as well. And Schneider Electric has been real supportive to that group. And they bring in some interesting companies. So those are the European ones, but um, but today we've got uh, Stephen Thomas, who's with Asia Focus, and uh, Asia Focus is is located. Uh, I'll read from the website. They uh, they operate at the intersection of new energy and the deregulated power markets in Japan and Asia by providing sales solutions for U.S.-based companies in renewable energy and intelligent infrastructure. So Stephen Thomas, welcome to Energy Matters to you. Thank you, Leo. Thank you, Ron. Glad to be on. Good. So, Stephen, let's let's start right with uh, setting the stage. And why don't you give us uh, a little bit of a background? What is Asia Focus's business? Yeah, sure. Thank you uh, for having me on the broadcast. So, let me just kind of set the picture up. Uh, as I grew up in an international home, I realized the world is bigger than the U.S. And so, Asia happens to be sixty percent of the world's population, and with that, about sixty percent of the world's energy consumption. And in Asia, Japan is the largest OECD country. And as we all get, you know, from Japan, Korea, Taiwan, and of course, China, uh, that supplies all the world's electronics, cars, machinery products. So it's a very, very important aspect of modern life today. And energy is right at the center of that. You know, so having a career of uh, 25 plus years in Asia, I see Japan as the model for the new energy infrastructure. We all know, you know, about Japan having really high quality products and a 
a very uniquely special culture. But what most people don't know in the U.S. is how robust the civil infrastructure is in Japan. Roads, uh, waste energy management systems, transportation systems. The, the society puts a focus on robust, very sustainable implementations that are really positively integrated into the civil society uh, infrastructures. And because we in the U- here in the U.S. are driving a lot of innovation, it's, I see Japan as, a, as, a, as the model and that really the gateway to all of Asia for the new energy economy. So, um, Stephen, let's so talk about you. You mentioned uh, like the consumer products that come out of Japan and, uh, and the infrastructure that, that, that Japan provides. So can you talk to us specifically yeah. about you know, what's the unique opportunity in Japan, in energy represented by Japan. Yeah. So Japan today, in, if you really look at the world today in terms of uh, uh, the opportunities, Japan is the biggest market opportunity for new innovation in energy. And why is that? Uh, well, it's it all stems out of what happened on uh, March 11th, uh, uh, March 11, 2011, the Fukushima triple disaster, the tsunami the ensuing, uh, the earthquake, the tsunami, and the ensuing nuclear meltdown, it created a petra for what Japan decided to do is to modernize its grid. Even though it already had a very robust physical hard, uh, hardware infrastructure for the grid that was up-to-date and very robust, and it, it was a structure that was very rigid and silent. And there was very little renewable energy back in 2011. So the Japan Japanese government very conservatively created very strong feed-in tariff incentives modeled after Europe for solar, wind, biomass, geothermal, extremely attractive markets in the renewables, and then went about the process of creating a multi-stage deregulation of the electricity market, starting with mar- deregulating the mass retail market, uh, uh, deregulating, uh, and then step step towards wholesale market deregulation reform. And they're still in midway through this. But what this is, ha- the result of this is, is a huge opportunity for Western companies with very uh, rich products, sophisticated products and software, uh, for, uh, uh, storage in integration, new renewable solutions to technologies to compete in Japan. Because the Japanese don't have a monopoly on innovation. They just have created one basic big ISO. The biggest ISO in the market in the world today is the country of Japan. Interesting. So I'm taking that, Stephen, that the result, one of the results of that Japanese earthquake and tsunami and the destruction of a major part of the nuclear fleet was the creation of of a new administration, a new way of regulating energy within Japan. Is that a fair summary? Well, uh, what the Japanese do are very organized, <laughs> and so the government took it upon themselves. The Ministry of Economy, Trade, and Industry took it upon themselves to look at all the markets of the world, Europe, U.S., where there had been deregulation, and really do a lessons learned how to do this. So they created a phased process that, with a high emphasis on cons- reliability and security and customer-driven uh, 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 benefits, how to deregulate their markets. What, how to create a, a, an infrastructure so that renewables could be easily integrated and new digital technologies could be part of that solution. So today you can see that uh, you know there are 84 million homes in Japan. 
There are over 20 million business, commercial and industrial uh, customers. This, they have the biggest ISO, independent system operator in the world. Uh, but it's it's a complicated system, meaning there are multiple stakeholders. Their uh, their access to affordable energy is a human human right. So this is a huge undertaking that is unfolding over the course of several years. Okay, so we had Stephen Thomas growing up in a an international household who recognizes early that there's not just one way of approaching energy in this case. And so you're going to apply your talents to the Japanese marketplace. Obviously, this opportunity created by this organized culture that has put together a system that, through your explanation, is going to allow the uh, rapid integration of renewables. This is is complicated from a technology standpoint. We talk about that a lot here at uh, Energy Matters to you. So, Simo, what is the, the approach of Asia Focus and what, what is the specialty? What are the specific services that, that you bring to this complicated marketplace? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, about me, I have, I have about 25 years of business development, sales management experience in Japan and Asia, initially uh, focused around complex software solutions. So what I, what I have is a team of professionals, all technically, uh, technically uh, savvy, sales professionals, and we built an organization that focuses on taking innovative uh, solutions from primarily Western companies to market in Japan. Now, what is important, though, to understand is how you sell in the West is not the same as in Japan. I mean, there there are a few important points that most uh, Western companies fail to understand. And because of that, it's a little dirty secret in the industry that seven out of 10 New ventures in Japan fell, and they fell miserably because they failed to understand the differences in the, the sales process in, the, uh, in, in uh, Japan versus the West. What we do is, because we are uh, a largely Japanese uh, and very internationally savvy sales team, we know how to bridge the gaps between the sales process in the West and that what works in Japan. You brought up a good point about the um, earthquake and tsunami and and how that was a catalyst for energy efficiency and renewable energy in Japan. In fact, there's an article in Green Tech Media in 2014 that talks about that same event and how how that was a motivating factor for the country to move forward with energy efficiency and renewable energy. How how has the solar and storage market developed there and and how has that developed in relationship to what's going on in the United States? Yeah, so the solar market has boomed since the feed-in tariff was put in place uh, beginning in July 2012. Today, there are about uh, 45 gigawatts of solar online. Almost all of that came online in the last uh, five, six years. And most of that solar, interesting enough, is not, even though it's called utility scaled, it's typically two megawatts and, and less. And that has to do with the a couple of things. One is uh, the lack of available space to build large-scale, utility-scale solar. And two is the, the way the, the, uh, the voltage lines are, are spec'd. So if you think about two megawatts, and you know, typical solar installation, commercial installation will be anywhere from 50 kilowatts to two megs. That's a lot of solar, 45 gigawatts. Plus, there's another 40 uh, to 45 gigawatts that are, is permitted and yet to come online. Now, the storage market is really where there's a, a 
a market that's yet to uh, completely developed in, in part because the, the issue around demand charges has not been sorted out. Uh, Japan does not have exactly the same penalty around demand-related charges that you have in the U.S. And as you know, storage has been a, a, a relatively uh, a tough market to develop here in the U.S., but it is developing with the decreasing cost of the, 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 solar, uh, the storage pack. I see uh, companies like Stim and Sunverge, which are leaders in the U.S., they all have uh, investors from from uh, Japan, uh, Mitsubishi, Mitsui have invested heavily in these companies. TEPCO the, the, is the largest utility in Japan. They are a stakeholder as well. The storage market is a market to come in Japan. You know, you'd mentioned earlier about um, and the overwhelming failure of new ventures in, in Japan, the seven out of 10 fail. And part of it has to do with the inability to understand the sales cycle in Japan. Can you talk a little bit about what's different and unique about that that sales process? Uh, I'd love to. That's really where my specialty comes in with, I, with myself and my team. First of all, they I don't know if people realize this or not, but Japanese are really the most demanding customers in the world, uh, particularly around quality and service levels. So that's one aspect. Uh, where U.S., we typically, favor speed and functionality. Japanese prefer to have reliability and high quality. Two, uh, the, the way power is distributed around on a, a Japanese company is really kind of inverted to the way it is in the U.S. In, in Japan, the, the power really starts to make decisions to do anything new. It doesn't start at the top of the organization. It starts at the, at the team members level because it's a, it's a very different culture in terms of the way decisions or changes made with an organization. And finally, the, the decision process around choosing a product, particularly a product from a foreign company that doesn't have a lot of presence or uh, it doesn't have any presence maybe in Japan, is going to be a different. Uh, the, generally in the U.S., I mean, I, I, I worked for a number of uh, software, enterprise software companies at my first uh, stage of my career, and there was a lot of focus on selling on ROI uh, value propositions to the customer, et cetera, those kinds of things. In Japan, those things are lot, much less important. Companies do not buy on ROI in Japan. They buy on quality of the relationship, the, the value, the, the level of support you can bring to the market, and their their expectations around the viability of the company or business uh, beyond the next two or three years, but even longer. Those kinds of cultural differences play dramatically into uh, the ability of a foreign company to be successful in Japan. Great. Okay, so they've got to be reliable, high quality. It's a team member-driven adoption investigation, and then uh, making sure that the relationship is strong and there's a you know a, a clear process to to ensure follow-up and, and, and long-term relationship. So, Stephen, can you give some typical examples of uh, qualified prospects or types of customers? Absolutely. Uh, so what we would uh, look for is a company that has a compelling solution, one with references that has shown that they have, have a, a product that is differentiated in the market. An example of companies that done this are like AutoGrid. Uh, AutoGrid started several years ago in Japan. They provide a, uh, uh, a, a VPP, virtual power plant, software management framework 
Uh, and they are now in the building out their business in Japan, but they started early. So, Stephen, you provided an example of AutoGrid as being a, a successful voyager into the Japanese marketplace. Can you think of other good candidates for, for uh, Asia Focus's services? Yeah, so the other companies that would be, be very successful in this market are those providing a customer management platform for retail electricity or gas services. Uh, several of those companies have already entered the Japan market, uh, and I've worked with a handful of them, getting their teams together and finding their first sets of customers. You know, what should a qualified, interested company do next if they're serious about going to Japan with their offering or, or the Asian markets in particular? So the first and most important thing is that the senior management, the founder of the company has some kind of way, uh, some vision for the company in Asia, and they're able to articulate what their expectations are. Uh, beyond that, it, it's it's then having a compelling solution with some track record in, in the West, some reference they can go to and call upon. Um, and then there really isn't a lot of financial commitment to get started. It's much more important to have a, a commitment to, to see this through uh, until there's an assessment whether the, the market is ready for them. And if there is, then uh, a, a very staged process of making minimal investments to, to find a sales team, find a technical rep, and then focus on building partnerships to take the company to the market. Excellent. Super. Hey, Ron, anything else that you're thinking about you want to ask Stephen? So, Stephen, it sounds like the technologies and various business models that are, you're trying to integrate over there are typically mostly software-related, it sounds like, that have some type of function that can help facilitate the growth of either energy efficiency, renewable yeah. energy, or help support their market development. Well, it's a, yes, it is a very, very, very big part of the kinds of clients I work with. The digitization of energy is like every other industry, being able to enable uh, utilities, infrastructure providers, service energy service providers to be more efficient, more customer-centric, and more competitive in the market. And that's all, that's software. Software is at the, the, the backbone of this. But it is not limited. Renewables and technologies around renewable generation from hydrogen to offshore wind are also very attractive areas for companies with compelling products and solutions to look at Japan. Offshore wind market in Japan is, is on the verge of, of being the biggest in Asia. Um, uh, with the expertise around here in Massachusetts, some of the uh, supply uh, suppliers of solutions are, are parts of the ecosystem should also be looking at, at Japan and even Taiwan as markets. So That's great. It's not just software. Not just yeah. software. Software is a big part, though. Okay. Stephen, I know you're a, a big uh, participant in local conferences. You got anything on your calendar that folks could uh, could see you meet up with you? In terms of uh, follow through, if if uh, if a company is ready to look at Asia, I mean, I'll, I'm happy to take uh, an inbound call or whatever it may be in terms of how we initiate a discussion. One of the things I'm in the process of planning out uh, is actually taking some of the conferences we've had here uh, around energy storage, solar, and, and microgrid solutions, the, the participants to market partnering with the U.S. Embassy in Tokyo, uh, showcasing their products, their capabilities, not just in Tokyo, but all around the different prefectures in, uh, in Japan. The 
governments, the prefectures of Tokyo are very interested in investing in new uh, new energy solutions, technologies, companies, and renewable sources. So nothing local, but what we've done here local, we're looking to bring it to, to Japan. Well, that's great. And I know on your business card that the URL is uh, asiafocus1word.biz, B-I-Z. So Stephen Thomas at uh, Asia Focus. Well, that, very good. Any last minute thoughts you want to get on or should we wrap up here? What works, the U.S. is a great place for uh, getting your first reference. But if you want to build a, a sustainable business long term, you got to be in Asia. Absolutely. Outstanding. That's a huge market. So Stephen Thomas, Asia Focus, thanks so much for being part of uh, Energy Matters to you. We'll be paying attention to you and uh, please reach back out if we can be of any assistance to you. Thank you. So Ron, thanks, what, what else do we have on the uh, the calendar for Energy Matters to you? We got anybody coming up? We have uh, Kendall Investments and they uh, manage investments in sustainable types of infrastructure. So they're, they're on our schedule within the next month. That's great. And I had some news from the leadership of uh, Stacks and Jewels, who was on with us in July. Uh, they'd set up a scholarship fund to try to pay for an internship for two high school students as they learn about um, building programming. And uh, they were successful in their fundraising efforts, so they were able to provide paid internships, a kind of exciting development for the folks at Stacks and Jewels. So once again, I want to thank Stephen Thomas from Asia Focus for being part of Energy Matters to you. And as always, Ron Galuri, a pleasure spending time with you. Uh, We'll be signing off here. There's work to be done. Go make a difference. Thank you. Thank you.